Hi, I'm Julie Ross. And I'm Gregory Abbey. And you're listening to the Parenting Horizons podcast. Julie is a longtime parent educator and counselor. And Greg is an actor, writer, and director, and more importantly, a parent just like you. Through conversations covering a range of different topics, challenges, and roadblocks, we hope to give you a few of Julie's tools that might just help make parenting a little bit easier. And look, nobody's perfect, and parenting is challenging to say the least. But with a few skills under our belts, we just might be able to be good enough parents and enjoy the journey and our children a little bit more in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Parenting Horizons podcast. Uh, Julie is with me as usual. Julie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Gregory. How are you? I am hanging in there. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm I'm doing fine. I, uh, As you know, we've had a string of great guests recently, and we are continuing with that today. We are lucky enough to have with us Stephanie Kreisberg, who is a clinical psychologist, and uh, she's written a book that's coming out this month. It's called Adult Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. Quiet the critical voice in your head, heal self-doubt, and live the life you deserve. Uh, Stephanie, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Yeah, this is great. Um, you know, before we dive into talking about narcissism, which is, a, which is a big one, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been practicing for almost 30 years. I'm outside of Boston. And I actually started out as an English major and uh, then worked in New York, mm. your neck of the woods for a while, and then realized um, working in publishing, realized that wasn't really my thing. But that stories, people's stories were really what I was interested in. So that was the link and realized I wanted to follow up with people's stories as a therapist. Hmm. And so I decided to become a clinical psychologist. And so I've spent a long time working with kids and teens and adults. And then over the years, I started seeing themes, particularly with the women I worked with, who had really challenging, difficult relationships with their mothers Hmm. and how that impacted them being mothers themselves and just in their lives, their self-esteem, how they functioned. And that really led me to the journey of understanding being the daughter of a narcissistic mother and, and writing this, this book. So um, that's sort of my story. And can I just interject? I feel like narcissism doesn't, no gender owns narcissism. We can Mm -hmm. have narcissistic trans people. We can have narcissistic queer people. We can have narcissistic mothers. We can have narcissistic fathers. And, you know, and we can have sons or daughters or, or just plain young people who were raised by these people. So I just want to let our, we, we, we want to let our audience know that, you know, there are going to be great takeaways regardless of your gender from this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I, I, you know, Stephanie, I gave your book to a man who had a narcissistic Mm -hmm. mother and he's taken away so much of this, um, and really, Mm -hmm. really found it very helpful. So I just want to, you know, I, I know that a lot of times when books are marketed, they, you know, the marketers say, you know, you have to have a narrow niche of, you know, who Mm -hmm. your audience is. Um, but I just want to reassure our listeners that this is really a great book for anybody, regardless of gender. Um, well, I'm so glad that you said that, Julie, and I really appreciate it because that's that's so true. And I'm hoping the book will have a wide audience for, you know, it can really be helpful to people who have different type of difficult, even just a difficult relationship. We don't have mm-hmm. to put that label right. um, of narcissist, you know, on, mm-hmm. on the relationship. The other thing I just want to say right off the bat as we discuss this is even though I'm the book is adult daughters of narcissistic mothers that this is not a book 
about mother bashing. Mm -hmm. This is not a book about saying, oh, these, you know, terrible (laughs) mothers and they messed up their daughters. This is really a book about understanding one that, you know, the mothers that I'm talking about, I have great empathy for. Mm -hmm. They, you know, have their own struggles Mm -hmm. and no one becomes a narcissist by choice that they did not get their needs met when they were growing up and then came to motherhood with their own struggles. Mm -hmm. You know, I have two daughters in their 20s, you know, and if I could turn back the clock Mm -hmm. and do things, certain things differently, I sure would, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, It's not an easy job. And so I have great empathy and respect for all mothers. And so I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 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 sure that's what we're gonna talk about today is sort of maybe how you kind of can help break that cycle, which I'm sure is challenging if you grow up with a narcissistic parent. I mean, I was looking at your website today, and to me, this kind of captures it. Maybe this is the idea. The quote on the front page of your website is, "You can't stop the wave, but you can learn to surf." Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine oh, like I a lot that. of what we're gonna be talking about is like it. it and this is so much about what Julie and I talk about. It's not about eliminating stuff because sometimes it's almost impossible to eliminate it, but Mm -hmm. how do you cope with it? How do you deal with it? So before we dive in too deep, I think, you know, maybe most people have an understanding of what it means to be a narcissist. And that's a word Mm -hmm. that, you know, Julie was even saying it now it gets kind of thrown around a lot for you you know, separate from even what a narcissistic parent is necessarily, like how how do you describe what's a narcissist? Well, you know, some of the key ways that I would describe it, you know, to keep it, you know, kind of sort of at its simplest Mm -hmm. is someone who um, is a narcissist or has, let's, first of all, let's just say it's a collection of, you know, kind of features or traits in a personality. One, I want to say, and it occurs on a spectrum. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. not just one thing. You can have, you know, a few traits of narcissism, or you can have a lot. So it, you can, in other words, it can be sort of mild, like you can have a mild cold, or you can, you know, be, have the complete flu and be down and out. It's, it can fluctuate and it can also fluctuate. So depending on what's going on in your life. So that's one thing I just want to say. Um, It's not just this black and white thing. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, But at its heart, one, someone who we would, let's just say, we would call narcissistic, is someone who has never really grown up inside. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we grow up, as you know, as you raise your kids, they mature in lots of different ways, physically and emotionally. Someone who is narcissistic got stuck Mm -hmm. in their emotional and psychological development. On the outside, they look like an adult, but on the inside, they are functioning like a child. And I'm assuming that there can be a lot of root causes for that, but you said this maybe even in the introduction that it's not like someone wants to become a narcissist. There's some sort of trauma they may have experienced them themselves as a child. So is there a, a something in particular or a few things that could happen for a child to get emotionally stuck in that way? I mean, I'm assuming it's connected to some sort of neglect. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I would have to say, you know, this is not a field that gets a ton of study, you know? Um, so I would say that we don't totally understand mm-hmm. what causes this. Um, and people disagree, but I would say that the main things that we understand right now are, you know, you grow up in a family that one, either you were probably too indulged, um, so that you grow up feeling that sort of you're the center of the universe, but not in a very positive way. So not in a way where you were really seen for who you are, but that just maybe you're sort of the golden child and you're just, everything is just sort of handed to you, but not in a way that maybe your needs are really, you're not really seen as an individual. Mm. Um, or as you said, Greg, you're, um, you know, you're, you're really neglected and your needs just aren't met. And so that can also lead a very deprived 
childhood where you're emotionally deprived, physically deprived, we know, um, and you're just not seen can also lead to that type of, you know, personality, I would call it style. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of those two sort of extremes. But essentially you're saying it's, it's that the, a narcissist maybe at the core is they're, they're emotionally stuck. They're emotionally immature. Is that what you were yes, saying? Yes, they're emotionally. And then there's other features that come along with that. I would also say in terms of what causes this, that there's going to be some kind of maybe temperamental wiring issue. Mm-hmm. So if you take someone that usually someone might have a certain type of emotional, you know, their wiring might be particularly sensitive or mm-hmm. genetically sensitive. And then if you combine that with that type of upbringing, they might be more prone than to developing this personality style. So it might be two kids who are grown, you know, raised Mm. in the same environment. They both might not be narcissistic, depending on sort of their, their wiring that they bring to the, bring to the table. It's it's funny because I, I have a pretty intimate relationship with a narcissist that's not connected to me. He's not a relative. Mm -hmm. And this narcissist's son who's actually been able to do much better, but we've seen, it's it's just funny that you mentioned wiring because we've seen some stuff in the child that we've gone like, wow, that mm-hmm. just seems, the, the child is not a narcissist, but it has some similar tendencies t- to the biological father. Um, and, and so I'm assuming that's what you're talking about because we've, I, my wife and I have seen these things play out with this child that it's really, it's kind of shocking. And, and it seems like a wiring thing. It's the biological yeah. son. So, so is that what you're saying is that some of that stuff can be in there potentially as well? Well, it's let's just say you're more sensitive as a child. You know, you're more emotional. Um, you're more sensitive. We think that some kids come into the world just more, just feel their emotions more strongly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when they have a strong emotion, it's a little harder for them to, what we say, kind of kind of just go back to baseline. Um, that might be the child then who, if they grow up in not really the most nurturing environment, are going to then be more, let's say, vulnerable to being hit hard by that environment, okay, as opposed to being more resilient than another child. And then, and then there are other factors that play in. Do you have, you know, other supports in your life that can kind of balance it out? You know, is there another adult mm. who can kind of smooth mm. it out, give you what you need? Um, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors that play in, as I'm sure you know, you know, how does a child turn out? Like, what's, what's the end game? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it makes sense. I'm sorry, Julie, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, you know, the, the, the people that I know who um, are, are adult children or even children of narcissists have this sense, um, and admittedly this is a small sample, but they have this sense that they can't please the other mm-hmm. people in their life. They can't do enough. They're lacking in yes. some way. And, and, and they're incapable of pleasing. Um, is that a, a characteristic, who, would you say, Stephanie, of kids who grow up with a narcissistic parent that they feel like they just can't do enough? Yes, absolutely. A feeling um, of that needing to please everybody. And if I can just, you want to get back to, you want to know a little bit more about what a narcissist looks like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So because they're so they're immature inside. On the outside, they can look very full of themselves. There's kind of two types. Some Mm. look very full of themselves, very overconfident. Mm. That's kind of the stereotype of the narcissist, the sort of bigger than life, Mm. brash Mm. person. The other type is someone who can actually be, and this is less known, very needy, depressed, Mm. anxious, needs, you know, sort of they're the best at being, feeling not good about themselves, Mm. needing other people to take care of them. And that could be their own child. Mm. Um, So, but both of these types inside, they are deeply insecure. Even if on the outside, they look like I'm the best thing in the world. Um, That is the hallmark of narcissism 
deep insecurity, mm. a very, it's like a deeply, like a balloon, which just has air inside. There's nothing really inside, right? Mm. Right. So they're just empty. Yeah, I think uh, we've called it in the past, or I've called it, I don't know where I picked up this phrase, but big ego, low self-esteem. Yes, exactly. That you see, well, and that's what you're saying is on the outside, presenting is like they're the king of the world, but underneath that is like a deep insecurity, like you said. Right, like the emperor has no clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm. So if you are really empty inside and then you become a parent, Mm. what happens? What does happen? (laughs) A lot, I imagine. You need your child to then kind of give you, you look to your child Mm. to give you what you don't have inside, Mm. okay? To regulate, we call it in psychology, regulate your self-esteem. So to make Mm. you feel good about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Now let's face it, as parents, to some degree, that's what happens, right? You know, you hold your baby, you feel so good. I mean, that's part of being a parent, right? Mm -hmm. That's not abnormal in and of itself. But then when the child, you know, baby cries all night and has colic and you're losing your mind, you don't say, this is a bad baby. This is a terrible baby. I hate them. You might, you know, they're bad. You might say, I need some, you might be really tired and need some help and say, tell your partner, you need to take them for a while. I'm at the end of my rope. But you don't say you are a bad baby. Mm-hmm. But that's what basically happens with a parent who feels bad about themselves. This baby isn't meeting their needs. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And, okay. And because they didn't get their emotional needs met growing up, they then lack empathy. Mm. That is just not a language they speak. To be able to feel empathy is being able to understand what someone else is feeling See as that. best you can, right? And then to to validate it, which means mm-hmm. to put it into words. To mm-hmm. say, let's say your kid comes home and is upset because they didn't get an invitation to a birthday party. Okay, to be able to say, "Oh, honey, I'm really sorry. That probably hurts your your feelings." Okay, I'm so you know. Let's go you know, play a game together. Let's, you know, let's figure out something to help you feel better. The parent then feels insulted, takes it personally. Mm. And let's face it, as parents, we feel bad, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. When our kid, I mean, I remember feeling that way, feeling bad myself if my child didn't get invited to something. But we can regulate that. We try to manage it mm. and not put that onto our child. Whereas then someone who is so fragile, like a narcissist, cannot do that, okay? So they then, they can't separate. So they put that onto the child. Did you say something to her? What did you do that Mm. you didn't get an invitation (laughs) to the party? Mm -hmm. So then the child takes that in. So Julie, to your point of then what, that child can then here's gets a steady diet of that then grows up feeling like i must i have to please everybody it's mm. my fault i didn't right. get an invitation right to that birthday party right right does mm-hmm. that make sense a hundred percent sure yeah and i think the piece you mentioned about them feeling so needy for attention that i i imagine then that a child even a young child ends up having to take care of the parent and sort mm-hmm. of try to satisfy their needs, which they maybe can never can. Because like, I mean, obviously the, um, that's destructive, but can you talk a little bit about why? Is that how that might play out? How it may play out, that that pattern? Yeah, the pattern for the child that ends up having to care for the parent <laughs> as opposed to the other way around. Is that what happens with the narcissistic parent sometimes? Right, and it can happen in different ways. So if you have what we call the more you know covert or the more vulnerable narcissist. Yes, it might be, you know, a parent who is, is depressed or anxious or needy. And listen, parents get depressed, you know, parents get anxious or needy, right? That's not necessarily their fault. But if they have also the narcissistic piece, you know, let's say there's been a divorce, right? And the parent is really struggling. They also can't 
separate. They can't have empathy for their child's needs and be able to understand that the child needs to, you know, have a separate relationship Mm -hmm. with the the co-parent or they become very critical of the child's because the key things, so then the child might feel like, well, I, maybe I'm not going to go visit the other parent because that's going to upset mom Mm -hmm. or you have a parent who is looking for the child to just do what they want them to do. They can't see, they see the child as an extension of themselves. Mm -hmm. So I need you to be an athlete because Mm. that's what made me feel, that's what's going to make me feel good about myself and that I'm going to get attention that way. And maybe the child isn't doesn't want to be an athlete or they're not particularly good at it. Right. But the parent is going to push them, push them, push them, push them and be the one who's there, you know, by the sidelines, you know, criticizing them. They drive home in the car. It's, a, you know, berating. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And not noticing the child just shrinking. So then what happens is as they're growing up, this child learns to just squash themselves down, suppress all their feelings. Because their because their needs aren't getting met, you mean? Well, because they know that um, they start to feel like who I am is not seen. They they get that. Mm-hmm. That if I'm and one of the key lessons that they take away is if I make a mistake, I am a mistake. Because the narcissistic parent makes everything very personal. Mm. So, for example, here's a good example that um, from my practice. One woman recounted to me going that her mother came home from a school conference in middle school. And the teacher had said, you know, so-and-so is struggling with math. So mom came home and said, I am so, I was so embarrassed Mm. to find out that you were having a hard time in math. Oh, it was just humiliating for me. As opposed to, I'm really sorry to hear you're struggling in math. You know, what can we do Mm -hmm. um, to help you with this? That is a classic example. So it's this Mm self-centeredness. Everything was about her. Mm-hmm. And so then in turn, this, you know, preteen felt humiliated. Mm. And the lesson was, you know, I, I can't have any flaws. If I have mm-hmm. a flaw, I have to cover it up mm-hmm. because it's not okay not to be perfect. Consequently, when she went off to college, when she was struggling with a course, she didn't share it with her parents. You know, mm-hmm. she wound up flunking. And then the parents got the, you know, end of the year, end of semester grades and like, you flunked a course. Why didn't you tell us you flunked a course? And well, of course she didn't tell them. They, they, you know, it was just better to hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that be kind of became a lifelong pattern of, you know, I'm going to get myself into really deep trouble before I do anything about it. And that's a whole, she had to dig herself out of it and unlearn. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say I'm, I'm struggling and to ask for help. Right. But you're never going to say that if you're repeatedly when as a child say that and are basically shamed and squashed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And for this parent, because a narcissistic parent inside has no sense of self, Mm. no sense of I'm okay as a person, right? Mm -hmm. I'm all right. They have no, what we call just a core sense of self that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't feel good to be told my kid is struggling. You know, no parent feels, leaves a conference like that and feels like a million bucks. Of course we want to hear our kid is doing great, right? We've all been there. Well, probably. Sure. Um, Yeah, of course. You know, but you can step away and learn to, and this is another key thing about people who struggle with narcissism, they just, they, it's difficult for one, for them to manage their emotions. Mm-hmm. If they get angry, you know, they blow up. Mm-hmm. Or if they're to, um, to just manage their emotions in a healthy way, and then to have some self-awareness. 
So in other words, I, in one of your podcasts, I think that the college one I just listened to, the guest said, listen, if you say something to your kid that is not ideal, not support, you can go back and say, listen, right. I'm sorry I said that. Right. And let's move, you know, let, I'm sorry that wasn't good. That wasn't right. And what can we do differently? People who have narcissism lack self-awareness. They lack insight. Right. So it's, they really rarely say, I I'm messed so, up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it, and it's not even just that they could, they can't, they can't really get to the, I'm sorry, because if there's a problem, it's somebody else's fault. It's oh. hard for them to see. I messed up. My kid is angry because, or withdrawing from me because their problem, mm-hmm. not because I said something unkind. So I have a, a, a quick question here. And, and if you, if, if we want to wait and address this a little later in the conversation, but one of the things that's on my mind is let's say our listeners, you know, so somebody's listening to this and, and they go, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I didn't know what it was called, but I have a narcissistic parent and mm-hmm. therefore there is a narcissistic grandparent in mm. the, in the picture for these, you know, for the, for the parents' children. So now, you know, the, the, the parent may be going, oh no, how do I keep the narcissistic parent or what can I do to, to, to keep the grandparents less influential in a negative way on my, on mm-hmm. my children? Yeah. That's a really good question, and it comes up a lot because people struggle with this is a really painful relationship for me, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I want to keep, you know, my kids not to have a relationship mm-hmm. right, um, right, with their grandparents, right? So, you know, Julie, it's, um, Greg, it's really individual. So in some cases, even though the parent has a really painful relationship with the grandparent, the grandparents can come and, and have a, you know, a nice relationship with the, their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really spill in, mm-hmm. and that makes it easier. So one thing is the parent really has to think about how can I manage it in a way that works for me, okay? So that's something we talk about a lot. What are the boundaries going to be? So do I say, you know, we will come visit you and, you know, we will stay for two hours or, you know, you can come visit us, but you need to stay in a hotel or it's really important for the parent to think about what is going to work for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing. So to really be aware of that and to feel entitled, to feel okay to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. One, to observe, you know, how is the grandparent being with your grandchildren? Maybe Mm -hmm. they're being really appropriate and fine and that's okay. Some people find that their um, parents are not behaving appropriately Mm -hmm. with their kids. And some of those behaviors are starting to come out. And then they have to make changes. Mm -hmm. Maybe they decide that they're really going to have very short visits, not have visits. Mm -hmm. It really all depends. Mm -hmm. Some grandparents can be fine with little kids. Right. But then as their grandchildren start to become older, maybe teenagers, that's when the critical side Mm -hmm. will start to come out. Well, they they start to invite individuate too right when they're teenagers and that's Mm -hmm. a lot of times when narcissists struggle when they're like oh wait a second i can't control you anymore you have your Mm -hmm. own point of view and personality right exactly so you know did you gain a little weight you know why are you wearing that why is your hair green just anything like that it might be to the parent or it might be to the kid which is really worse Mm -hmm. you know or it might be you know both, you know, you're letting her go out like that. Right. You know, those kinds of, of so, comments. I mean, I understand. So it makes perfect sense. It's 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 obviously circumstantial. And so if it's really obvious, you might even have to step in in the moment. Setting boundaries makes sense. Mm-hmm. I imagine you can 
you know, if it's subtle and I like this idea that it might start to slip out, but I'm assuming like as the parent, you could also do a circle back with the grandchild, like mm-hmm. with your child, the grandchild, you know, sort of that idea that if you as the parent were, were never seen, and I think we need mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about how it plays out as an adult and how you can heal that. But I would think the idea would be like, if you didn't get it, that doesn't mean you can't do it for your child, the grandchild, right? I would assume like you're at grandma's house and something kind of comes up. She's passive aggressive or she's shaming or mm-hmm. she's judgmental. I mean, this would be true of anything. Wouldn't you say like later on at home, you might say, hey, I noticed when grandma said, you know, whatever she said that you kind of address it with the child. Oh, you know, absolutely. So you can absolutely do that. And so a lot of that, you know, it depends on on the parent then. How have they learned to sort of manage their own emotions around their parent? Does it, you know, really discombobulate them mm-hmm. and really trigger them? Or can they na- are they now at the point where they can kind of step back with, I mean, it might be ups- upset them, but with some equanimity and say it in the have a conversation exactly like you said, like that is not okay what grandma said, how are you doing? And, um, and be able to have that conversation Mm. um, with their child or their, you know, teenager. I'm curious, you know, um, I, I have seen that kind of play out and it's, and it's, I, I completely agree with that, you know, that, a parent should say, you know, that was really not okay that grandma did that or, or, or grandma said that. You know, and then I'm curious, like the next step, what if the child says, well, if it's not okay and they keep doing it, why do we keep seeing them? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. And I think values come into mind. You know, you can talk about your family values about, you know, connection. This is important. You know, why, why you do, why, why do you? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's important to maintain that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. in a very truncated way, even if they're sometimes difficult, at some point you can, you know, say to your child, you can give them a choice, you know, if they don't want to come, they, they don't have to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's important to listen to your child. Yeah. Um, so I think there's different ways to handle that. You know, I can just also want to add that where a lot of times these issues and you know this is I don't think is news about grandparent issues come up is around what I call like the milestones. Mm-hmm. You know, Barmbat mitzvahs and graduations and weddings and things like that cause so much stress yeah. when you have a narcissistic parent. And yeah. so I really encourage people to get support and really think about how they want to handle those situations yeah people really have a lot of distress around those yeah sure i mean we we touched on this a little bit but can you because we've kind of defined definitely i think what a narcissist is and growing up with a narcissistic parent how that can be destructive to the child but like say in your practice adult women or men that are coming to you Mm -hmm. that have dealt with it how is it playing out like someone who might be listening to this might not even understand that How, how do you see it play out when that when that child becomes an adult and maybe mm-hmm. a parent themselves, but how, do, how does it play out with them when they're adults? Okay. So the, the people who come into my practice often struggle with depression, mm. anxiety, real difficulty knowing what they feel. Mm. So if you might say to them, well, how do you feel about this? They say, I, I don't know. And that's because, I, they're, I just... because their feelings weren't acknowledge repeatedly, you know, growing up. So you don't, you don't kind of have that tool. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Their feelings weren't acknowledged. And so many times they would really just have to, you know, squash down their feelings. And not only were their feelings not acknowledged, but so often their sense of reality, and this is, you know, an, an important thing was just actively, um, denied Mm -hmm. or distorted. You know, we use this term gaslighting, which has been, again, one of those terms that's been tossed around a lot Mm -hmm. um, and maybe a little bit too freely, but it's, it's a real phenomenon. So that might look something like, you know, the child saying, you know, oh, you know, her brother knocked over her blocks and the parent saying, 
he didn't do that. I, I was watching. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just, you know, you really just like to complain um, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And so then the child having this feeling of, am I crazy? Is mm. there something wrong with me? Or being upset with the parent about something and maybe say, saying that. And then the parent saying, you know, oh, you were just so sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, you were just, I can't say anything to you. Um, it's a very common phenomenon. And so you really learn to just truly question anything that you feel, or maybe it's mm-hmm. better just not to have any feelings at all. Mm. So just not having a sense of who you are, needing to please other people. Mm. And listen, a lot of people struggle with these things. Sure, This is not just something that happens if you have a narcissistic parent, right. but it can be particularly intense. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So needing to please other people truly at your own expense to the point where you will just run yourself into the ground. Difficulties really setting boundaries mm. with other people. Mm. These are some of the things that people come in for, not really having a sense of who you are, having a direction in life. These are often the things um, mm-hmm. that people come in for. Well, I would also think you see it play out. I'm, I'm thinking about this young man that I know whose father is a narcissist and I've seen it play out in relationships he's had already at a young age because the I think the weight what I've seen is the weight of the emotional weight of the relationship takes on so much that it's almost overwhelming for the partner and you know I would posit that it's because of the deprivation that went on and the insecurity feels so I would assume that's how it plays out too I mean I've seen it play out in relationships because there's no perspective and there's no I mean, as you said, relationships are tricky anyway, but when you have that on there, and I think if you're deprived that, obviously it just makes sense. If you're kind of deprived having your needs met your whole t- your whole life that you get into a relationship, I'm assuming it's going to be out of whack with that partner as well. That's right. And on top of that, you may sometimes get involved with someone because our brains are drawn to the familiar. Mm-hmm. You may also get involved with somebody who is narcissistic themselves because... Mm. Oh, right. Um, Repeating patterns. Right. Trying to heal the past. Right. You may just repeat that that pattern. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, or it's just not health, you know, healthy in some other, in some other way, mm. or just someone who needs you to take care of them. And so there you're just going to fix them. So mm-hmm. that can be another problem. The other thing that often comes up with people who, you know, had a parent with narcissism is there's this real sense of shame about the relationship. So if you have a parent who, you know, the relationship as an adult is just so troubled that, you know, even though people joke about, oh, mother's, you know, oh, my mother's coming. (laughs) Um, Often, not at this level, and this is a little hard to, you know, kind of put into words, that people feel deeply ashamed, like this feeling of if my own mother doesn't mm. care about me mm. or really doesn't feel, I don't really feel loved by her mm. um, or doesn't value me. There must be something really wrong with me. Wow. And so they often feel really ashamed, really isolated and really alone with this problem. Mm. And, and that is all, and they don't talk about it. So that's what I'm really pleased that you're having this conversation because so many people come in feeling just like there is something wrong with me. Wow. And I don't talk about this to anyone. And that is a really big component of it, of how it affects them. Just feeling like there is something wrong with me. Mm, Feelings of worthlessness. Yeah. I mean, the work is because now I'm kind of I'm, I'm thinking the turn for us now in this conversation is, you know, what can a parent do? It's so tricky to me. It must be like moving an iceberg. You know, you you've now grown up and you have children of your own mm-hmm. that you don't pass on these tendencies, which must be really difficult to do. I mean, I guess I, I mean, the obvious answer is to kind of maybe get in practice with a therapist, I would imagine. Mm-hmm certainly read your book, but I guess not everyone can go to therapy, but it, but it seems to me like th- this almost seems 
And it, de- it depends on the intensity of the relationship. Like you said, it's on a spectrum, mm-hmm. narcissism and the relationship that a narcissistic parent. So I guess let's talk about whether it's in therapy with you in practice, if someone's able to do that, or what, what can people do to kind of break that pattern? Because now they have kids and maybe they're even worried like, oh my gosh, I'm going to use my child to make up for all the things I missed out on. I don't want to do that. I have an understanding that my relationship with my parent is destructive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What can what can they do other than read this book, which I think will be helpful. Oh, well, it would be nice <laughs> if they read it, but they don't have to. Um, I think that, first of all, some parents do- who had narcissistic parents themselves too, I mean, I would say the majority do really well. You know, mm. they do really mm. well. They just really feel like, I am not going to do it to my child what was done to me. And they are really loving, wonderful parents. And they come in. And sometimes and that it, recognition is enough, you mean, in some, yeah. some kids. They just know, like, that was so destructive. I'm not going to do that. Right. And they're really terrific parents. Mm. And their struggles are more about different things. Maybe it's hard for them to make friends or, you know, because they feel really, you know, isolated um, with, with this. So they put everything into their kids, but maybe they, they don't have the social connections that they want, or maybe their career isn't thriving, but, but parenting is an area where they really feel, feel good about. Mm. Um, but, you know, some of the struggles might be sort of, as you said, kind of alluded to sort of overcorrecting. You know, I felt so neglected. I'm going to do everything (laughs) for my kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we know, at some point, you know, you have to kind of let go, let them make their mistakes, let them make their own bed, (laughs) um, not bring their homework to school when they forgot it, um, things like that, right? But you feel like, I don't want them, but the you know, parent who had a narcissistic parent can feel like, I don't want them ever to feel like I'm not there for them. Mm. I don't want them ever to feel I didn't love them. So I'm going to, if they can't sleep, Mm. I will lie in bed with them every night. You know, of course, I mean that some people think that's okay. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it's, it's making sense that you have to guard against that potentially yes. it's the overcompensation and then the enabling of the child because you're doing everything for them because you were so bereft of attention. Right. So that is a pattern that I see and we really have to work on, mm-hmm. you know, but then the next day you are exhausted mm-hmm. because you, you know, slept on the floor next to your kid, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. So, and that can take, that can be a hard pattern to break. So those are some of the things that I see, or just if you are feeling, you know, isolated in and of yourself, maybe feeling I'm just really different. How can I go to this, to the school play and really connect with other people? You know, sometimes that can, that can trickle in. So, or just having a hard time knowing how do I handle holidays? How do I handle those connections with grandparents just not really feeling good in and of yourself as a person and you need you need to work on that Mm, that piece or if you grow up in a home where you know learning to manage your emotions was not modeled you know we that's a learned skill you might have to learn that Mm -hmm. you know managing your own temper or your own anxiety those are some skills that we can learn I would also imagine not just man, I mean, managing your feelings and also not repressing your feelings mm-hmm. because I see mm-hmm. a lot of the time, the feelings that come up for people who have narcissistic parents are so painful that they mm-hmm. repress them and then it yeah. can come out in bodily ways, you know, it can come mm-hmm. out in back injuries or, or not even injuries, but back pain or, um, Mm -hmm. neck pain or digestive issues because they're really, the the feelings are so painful themselves that they would Mm -hmm. rather physicalize them as opposed to deal with them. I mean, that's all subconscious. Nobody would rather, but you know. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there is, you know, some research that shows that connections between, you know, not expressing those feelings and stomach issues, headaches, 
um, all those kind, you know, yeah, stress related, physical or mediated, recall, you know, physical symptoms. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm assuming, you know, in the book is you have some some just practical tools that that adults can do if they've grown up in this situation. Yes. So some of the ones that I find, you know, really helpful are one is just people who I find that a lot of people who grew up with narcissistic families tend to ruminate a lot. Mm. They're in their heads, just chewing over, you know, Mm. the same negative thought, not positive thoughts, the same negative thoughts over and over and over. So, um, because you had to stay in your head, that was the only really safe place to be. Mm. So learning some skills to kind of step back and separate from your thoughts. That doesn't mean that you try to stop them Mm. or control them because we cannot do that, Mm. but you can notice them. So this is kind of related to mindfulness, which of course we hear about all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's really helpful practice, but learning some specific skills, some exercises that I take people through. A really wonderful one is called leaves on a stream where, you know, you imagine that you're standing or sitting by a stream and your thoughts are like the leaves and the sticks and all the things that float by in the stream Mm -hmm. and you can notice all those things Mm -hmm. you can't stop them you can't control them they come in and out of your line of vision and you just notice them and let them float on by Mm -hmm. and you know you have to try a lot of different things with people right and then i do it with them i might record it or send them a recording and learning to just separate them Mm -hmm but not feeling like I have to stop my thoughts because we used to think that in psychology. Now we know we can't. Mm. People find some of these things really transformative. Mm. Um, And it takes a lot of practice. Right. Another helpful skill, this comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, is really recognizing what's important to you in life, what really matters it's called your values and letting that guide your actions. Let that be your North star. So let's say being a calm and supportive parent is one of your important values. And then you're trying to decide, should I have my mother over for Thanksgiving? Should she be a guest? You can then use that value, being a calm parent, calm and supportive parent to my kids, to make your decision about having your mother over. Mm-hmm. What's the right answer? Who knows? Right. You know, it's going to be different for everybody. How is that going to look for you? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no right answer. But how will you fulfill that value if that's a guiding light for you Right. Um, in making that decision? Mm-hmm. And this is, again, transformative for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are some of the things that I feel like I get. People get a lot of uh, power yeah. out of. Yeah, I can imagine. I do as well. These sure. are things, I mean, I practice, try to practice everything that I teach people. Yeah. And these have been skills that are transformative for me as well. Yeah. I mean, as just even as you were talking, I, and you've already said this, I think some of the things, and I'm sure a lot of what's in your book, it's it's not even that you need necessarily a narcissistic parent. I mean, I ruminate on things. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, I think even if you have a complicated parent, these are some of the tools you can be thinking about. Um, I mean, this has been really a great conversation. I'm wondering, it is such a complex topic, and you did such a great job of navigating it if there if there was one thing like if there was one main thing like when people come to your practice and they've grown up with a narcissistic parent and maybe they're an adult now or they're a parent themselves is there one thing you want that patient to to sort of think about and focus on or is that too is that too specific 
Um, I would say, I mean, a couple things. One, I think education is really important. I think really understanding this, mm. you know, why you feel this way, what made your parent tick, what made you tick. And I think the idea, which I'm sure you've heard of, is just really having compassion for yourself. Mm. When you are raised by a narcissistic parent, you tend to you know, you're a relentless, you know, you just beat yourself up relentlessly. You're really internalized that inner critic, you know, and you just take it around with you everywhere. And so if you can learn to have some, to talk to yourself kindly, the way you would a friend, instead of, you know, if a, and to really think, if a friend came to me with this mm. problem or this issue, would I ever talk to mm. him or her the way I talk to myself? What would mm. I say to that person? Mm-hmm. And then talk to yourself that way. I mean, that is, I think, the best gift you can give yourself. And it will make you feel uncomfortable because some people don't even realize that's even an option. I can do that. Well, it's probably weird at first, especially if you never got it growing up, but that, and I guess that's the idea that if you didn't get it growing up, you know, you might have to do it for yourself. I mean, it's finding people maybe in your life that can do that, but I guess that's that point is that if you, if your parents were critical of you growing up because of their own narcissism, you're then critical of yourself, but you can talk to yourself in a way, you know, that, a that, uh, uh, adjusted parent, I guess would have, right. Right. And it is great to have other people do it for you. But there's research on self-compassion, thousands of studies that show the value of actually this form of of self-talk and self-kindness. It's pretty remarkable. So being able to take that with you wherever you go, it's a pretty it's pretty phenomenal. Great. That's great. Well, this has been this has been wonderful. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, again, it, uh, we've been talking with Stephanie Kreisberg, and she has a, the book coming out this month is Adult Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, Quiet the Critical Voice in Your Head, Heal Self-Doubt, and Live the Life You Deserve. Uh, Stephanie, if, if someone wants to find your work, where, where can they do that? Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Um, I have a website, drdrstephaniekreisberg.com. My book is available um, on Amazon or through the publisher, New Harbinger. So those are the places to find me. Great. And I I just want to be clear. So Stephanie's last name is spelled K-R-I-E-S-B-E-R-G. Thank you, Stephanie. This has been really lovely. appreciate it. It's been well, great. thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Horizons podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with your family and friends. And if you'd like to hear more about Julie's work, join one of her parenting groups or see about individual counseling. Please visit ParentingHorizons.com or you can email Julie at Julie.Ross at ParentingHorizons.com. We'll see you next time.